Praise God. Well, you can be seated. You at home are probably still seated. Praise God. Well, I'm just glad y'all are here this morning. For all of those of you watching out there this morning, we got about 75 people in church this morning, and we're still doing good. We still have some space, still have room. We're trying to obey the governor's uh, edict and, and stay at the capacity we're supposed to, but we still have room. So if you've been hesitating of coming to church, I know if you'd have a seat. There's a seat for you here, praise God. And, you know, my plan is, is when we he releases the... Uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the rules, and we get a few more people in here, we'll fill this up, and finally along, we'll just fill up this church, and we'll just move out there and build another one. We'll just bless God, you know, just keep getting fuller and fuller. We're not going to put a cap on it, all right? Not going to put a cap on it, but praise God, that'd be, that'd be fun. But anyway, um, I'm glad y'all are here. I'm glad to see some faces here this morning. Like I'm, I'm kind of like still shocked, you know, that I get to see people and and this is great. But anyway, praise the Lord. Um, let me give you a few announcements. Because, see, I'm still trying to figure out what we're doing. Still haven't quite got all of this down. Who I'm talking to here. Oh, uh, congratulations to all the seniors who graduated. Now, that was a new thing. 2020 will always be remembered as the uh, graduation that took place in a car, you know? I mean, so... You'll have something to say. Yeah, we went through the pandemic of 2020 and made it. Uh, the plan this week, 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, you want to get into this. Listen to me. It's one of my favorite chapters, 2 Kings chapter 4. That's the plan for this week. So you're going to want to read that chapter and read it over and over and over again. Uh, it's great. I, I read it and was going over it myself, getting ready for uh, to do the video on the, this week, and, and I got a... Got all excited. Got a, I may even preach it this morning. I don't know. Just such a good chapter. I love it. So uh, that's the plan for this week. We're still having church here. I know there's some of you out there that are doing the Acts 246 church. You got families coming over to your house and y'all are watching the broadcast today. Hey, God bless you. Have a great church. Minister to everybody there. Get everybody saved. Go get you some more. April's. Are we in April? We're in May. Okay, May. May's confession, there's a few left on the uh, back tables, the, the little confession cards. You can pick those up right there. You should have gotten them in the mail. If you didn't, you know, only the world knows what's going on. I mean, it's just been so crazy about trying to get everything done. But praise God, here's the confession. God knows me. He knows my good. He knows my bad. He knows all my ways. Yet he still loves me. Can I have an amen on that one? I mean, isn't that right? God knows you. He knows you're good and he knows you're bad. But he still loves you. Amen. Therefore, I will not listen to the voice of the enemy, for he has no place in me. I declare that I'm loved. I declare that I'm blessed. I declare victory is my way of life. Amen. amen. So that's what you need to get up saying every day for the month of May. So praise the Lord. Give you a scripture for before we take up our offering. Uh, Luke one thirty seven. With God, nothing's impossible. You know, it's times like this, and I'm going to share this in my message today. It's times like this that things were difficult, things were, were hard. I used to keep a journal. I journaled every day. And uh, or I, I shouldn't say every day. Once a week, twice a week, I would journal, write it. If something going on in life, I'd write it down. And uh, I had it in these books. This was before cell phone. And so... Uh, I go back and I read some of those things and I laugh at it because some of the things that I was, I mean, had me in a tizzy, right? I mean, just had me up just like the world is coming to an end, will not make it to the end of the week, oh God. And I read it now and I'm like, Robert, you were such a sissy, man. You were, you had no faith at all. I mean, come on, you've gone through a lot worse than that, you know? And so I laugh at that and and that's kind of the way it is sometimes. But when we go through situations like we're in right now, you know, it's a faith builder, right? It's either going to kill you or you're going to build your faith. You're going to go on through it and you're going to look back at it as, you remember when we defeated that giant? You remember when we, when we killed that situation? You know, I've told this story several times and I never forget, you know, uh, when my son, he uh, fell out of a tree and broke his arm. 
We didn't have any insurance. We didn't have anything. We were way back at a cattle cell in the middle of East Texas, and, and uh, he'd eaten lunch, and the doctors told us at the hospital, I said, well, we can't do anything because it was a, a really bad break, and they were going to do surgery on it. They got to put him to sleep, and they said, we can't put him to sleep. He just ate. You might as well drive back to San Antonio. We were all the way back in Palestine. He said, drive all the way back to, to San Antonio uh, with your son with his broken arm, put in a little temporary deal, gave us some aspirin, and told us to get on the road. And so we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any, you know, nothing. I, matter of fact, we borrowed a car to drive home in. And so we drive up to the hospital. I'll never forget it. And, and I was just like praying the whole way, oh, God, oh, God, what are you going to do? 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 And we drive up to the hospital, and, and they took, him, took Joseph in, and then just happened to be that the, 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 the third leading orthopedic surgeon in the United States happened to be at the hospital that day, and that's who his surgeon was. And went in there, and they, you know, just one blessing after the next blessing after the next blessing. And I'll never forget. We were getting ready to leave, and so now it was time to just choke up and go down there and have to try to pay and see what I could do to, you know, give them my son so that we could leave the hospital. And so I went down there, and so the lady we were talking, and she was, I said, "Look, ma'am, I don't have any insurance thing, but you know, I will pay you. I'll do it. You know, we'll work something out." And she said, "Well, what do you? What's your occupation?" And I said, "Well, you know, I'm a pastor." And she said. Uh, Oh, great. She said, a grant just came in for pastors who have medical emergencies, and it's all be taken care of. So it was all taken care of. So, man, I was like, I was like, man, I, I was this big. I swelled up bigger than a toad frog, you know? And so I, I went home, man. We were just rejoicing. Oh, look at our God. Look what he can do. We're dancing around the house, you know, and everything. And, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, a bill comes in. And I was like, what's that bill for? You know, so we get this done, it's the anesthesiologist. And he's got that, and I was like, oh, man, why did that sucker have his bill in with the, what's the matter with this guy, you know, send me a bill. And so I, I, I get it, and I open it up, and was it two or $400? $600. It was $600, and it might as well have been $6 million to me. And I just remember I just fell apart. Just, oh, God, what are we going to do this one? And it was just like the Holy Ghost just gave me a little, and said, stupid, we bailed you out of everything else. You think that not going to get you through this? I mean, what are you doing? I was like, that's right, you know. And I remember one thing worked after the next thing worked, and we got the bill paid off, and everything was done, you know. But my point is, sometimes that's what happens to us, and we've got to build our faith. So we're going through right now, and, you know, and, and, and with all the problems of everything going on, we've got to know that Luke 137, man, God is the God of the impossible. He starts moving when things look impossible. Amen? And so we need to get our faith going. We need to be encouraged. So I want to bless you. I don't know what's going on financially and everything in life. It looks crazy, but listen to me. God is in charge of your finances. Amen? So put your hand on your offering. You that are out there watching, put your hands over your offering. And let's pray. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that you are the God of the impossible. You, Lord, always work ways where there seems to be no way. You are, that's why you're the miracle worker. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for it. You thank you for making those ways in our lives, for blessing our finances. I declare we do not lose our retirements. We do not go down. We go up because we're children of God. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. And so, Lord, I just declare today that you're going to be working signs, wonders, and miracles in people's lives. And they're going to have a testimony, Lord, of your goodness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. So offering buckets are in the back. When you leave, you can just put your offering buckets in the, uh, your offerings in the bucket. Because we're not supposed to pass a bucket. Okay. Or at least I can figure out no logical way. I thought about getting a bucket on a big stick. <laughs> but then I thought that could just be disastrous. Put that in a bunch of rednecks' hands, a big stick with a bucket on it. No telling who we had hurt. Healing line would be longer up here, having band-aids and prayer for everybody. Got hit in the head with a bucket. So we figured just let them sit in the back, and you can place your offerings in there. Amen? Okay, well, get your Bibles out. And if you would go to the book of Romans chapter 2. I, I really can tell you all this morning, I just now am feeling like I can preach again. Because I, 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 you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, this morning, I have literally like four messages. I could just go any way in the world with this message this morning. I've got 
I've had four titles this morning. And so I just got one really long one now that we can just kind of combine everything and you can write down. But So the first title is The Essence of God. The second title is The Nature of My Family. And the third title is The Essence of God Knowing the Nature of My Family. Okay? So you can write that down in your notes and figure it out from there. But I got to thinking about, you know, we, we talked, I've been talking about the curse and the curse that we see right now coming on the earth. And I've been trying to get you just to understand, like I, I've told y'all this, y'all know this from me. You're not going to get some deep, deep, deep theological message from me. What you're going to get from me is an applicable message because I want to see you to be able to read the Bible, digest the Bible, and then apply it to your life in such a way that you can find victory from it. Amen. It doesn't do me any good to dazzle you and razzle you, even if I could with my oration here. But what I want you to do is to learn something that then you can apply to your life. Amen. Because that's what it's all about. If we can't live the gospel, it's no good to us. And so I, I've been trying to get you to understand that, that there is the nature of God, which is his blessing. And then there is the nature of the curse. Jesus himself said to the, to the Pharisees, he said, you're of, you're of your father, the devil. And you can call it whatever you want to, but the church word world gets it so messed up because the church world forever beat people over the head saying that sin was smoking, drinking, dancing, and cussing. And if you weren't doing any of those, well, then you, were, you pretty much had it made. Hello? I mean, that was just it, you know? Dancing, going to go to hell. But you could just be over there doing God knows what in the dark, and, and it didn't make any difference, right? Because that wasn't a, a, you know, not a sin that was you know, known. But if you went to the dance hall, oh, Lord have mercy, you're going to burn in hell, okay? And so we're, you know, the church world turned a lot of people off because of what they were doing is they were preaching a message that really wasn't the gospel. It was church doctrine. It wasn't the gospel, okay? And we've been trying to get back on the gospel. So whenever you say to somebody, well, you don't want to live in sin or in the flesh, immediately the, the big four pop up, smoking, drinking, dancing, cussing. Hello? You know I'm right, okay? And so um, I, I've told y'all this. Man, when I was a kid, I, I, you know, I, I, I would go to a church with my grandparents, and i go to church, and I remember they had smoke break. They had smoke break. In between Sunday school and church, smoke break. And all the men got around beside of the church, and everybody smoked. Got the pipes out, got the cigars out, got the cigarettes out. Everybody had this stuff. They had a little smoke break, and everybody talked. Wasn't anything wrong. And then one day I went to church, and no more smoke break. And I remember asking my grandparents, what happened to smoke break? <laughs> well, we don't do that anymore. It's sin. <laughs> and as a kid, I just thought, that don't add up. Where did this? God sent down some, there's 11 commandments now? <laughs> so anyway, so, so I'm trying to get you just to understand. There is the curse. There is the blessing of God. Okay, and God said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You're either going to serve in the blessing or you're going to serve in the curse. I said, if you obey me and my, my laws and my commandments, you're going to be over here in the blessing. If you don't, you're going to be over here in the curse. Well, we see the curse rampant right now. I'm not talking about the coronavirus. Yeah, coronavirus is part of the curse. But I'm talking about the way people are acting and what's going on in, 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 in society today. All right. People are crazy. People have lost their brains. I don't know what they're thinking. I, 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 it's scary. What scares me right now is not the coronavirus, it's people, okay? So I began to just, in my mind, just, just contemplate and just digging and scratching the Lord and saying, Lord, how can, I, how can I preach in such a way to the people that this message could get out and go around the world and go out, people get hold of it, and it makes sense to them so that it could just be a revelation of their eyes could be open to see you. And I started, the word essence came up to me, just the essence. And I talked about, you know, uh, Jonah here the other day and talking about, you know, making ambergris and all that stuff. You have to go back and listen to that message about being perfume. And I was thinking about, oh, we talk about the essence being the, the key ingredient that's in a perfume, right? The essence of whatever, okay, is makes this perfume so great. And so I began to think about the essence of God. What is God's essence? What is, what is, a, what is it that God he does that you, you, you can put into words. Now, me, we're all a little different, okay? 
We're all a little different, all, all you know, uh, relate to God differently. But with me, it's when to know the essence of God, I, it's hard for me to put this into words, but let me explain it. When I'm believing for something, okay, I'm, I'm asking God for something. I'm saying, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you for this. I'm believing this. And then I see it come to pass. The moment that, that, that essence of it coming to pass and the way it touches my heart and the way I feel at that moment and the way I see God moved and did this, that to me is like the essence of why I love him so much. Because God is so cool. He doesn't just do something to do something. He does something to get the greatest amount of effect out of what he's doing. He doesn't want to just, you know, Boom, just make that just one little easy deal. No, he's going to do this to move that, to turn this, to cut that, to do this, to do this, to do that, so that the most amount of people got blessed in the whole situation, and he got to reveal himself to as many people as he possibly could so that there was just the greatest miracle in everybody got to go hoorah all at the same time. And when you see God do that, you're just like, wow, that is, that is I love that about God. I love that my God is righteous. I love that my God, he's, he, he's going he's gonna to bring it about. He's not going to, you know, ooh, I just love it. And that gets me excited. And so I got to thinking, I want to get this down more. I want to get this to where I can explain it, not just say, ooh. That's why I love God, because he's so, ooh, right? So the, the definition for essence, okay? is the most significant element, quality, or aspect of a thing or person. The most significant element or quality of a person. The most significant quality of a person. Okay? That's what essence means. Romans 2.4, he says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So I looked at the word goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And that word goodness in the Greek, it means a moral goodness, it means integrity, and it means kindness. Now think about this. Not too many people repent because of fear. I don't serve God because of fear like I'm scared that if I don't serve him, I'm going to go to hell. Y'all with me? I have never seen too many people be motivated by fear, especially not here in Texas. All right? You say, you're going to burn in hell. Everybody's like, man, you know, turn it into a party. Bless God. Don't tell me I'm going to be burning in hell. But if you turn it around and say, you know, God loves you. And you show God, show them God's kindness. Hello? It'll affect. Their lives. This is story number 26. See, y'all, some of y'all look at me like, what's he talking about? See, there's this joke. There's a joke. There's this, this, the joke is this. Let me just tell you the joke, and then I'll tell you the story. And so the joke is, is that there was a, you know, there was a bunch of miners up in Alaska, and they all knew each other, and all always went to the bar every, every day in the evening. And so, you know, they told their story so many times that they decided it took too long to tell the story, so they just number them. So they just holler out, number 26, and then everybody'd laugh. Remember what number 26 was? He had to tell a story. And so a newcomer comes into town, and so he goes into the bar, he's sitting there that night, and so somebody hollers out, you know, number 26, and so everybody starts laughing. He, he's wondering what's it? number 14, and so everybody starts laughing, you know. And so he says, What's going on? So they tell him the story. Well, we've been up here so long, we all know everybody's stories, there's no sense telling them again, so we just numbered them all. And he said, Well, could I try one? He said, Yeah, he said, try number. Try number seven. Seven's a good one. So the newcomer hollers, number seven. And nobody laughs. And he said, what did I do wrong? He said, well, you know, some people can tell a story and some can't. <laughs> so I always thought about that with my stories. I just number them, and then I can just say to y'all, 26, and y'all know what it is. Everybody laughs. You go on and made the point, and it saved me some time. But since I haven't done that, it's like the time I was in Africa. We were in the Africa building. And, and uh, we were out there, it was hot in the evening, we're sitting out in the, in the little courtyard there, and uh, this, this guy comes up to us, and he's been drinking, he came out of a bar, and he's, he's pretty drunk, he's pretty lit, and he sits down, he wants to talk to us, and so we're, we're all talking, 
And uh, he says to me, he says, well, what are y'all doing here? And I said, oh, we're, you know, we're building a Bible school over here, you know, for this, uh, this missionary. And, oh, he said, y'all are Christians. And I said, yeah, we're, we're all Christians. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And he said, oh, he said, you know, that's all for people that are weak-minded. That's what's wrong with you. You're just weak-minded. He said, that's about right, a bunch of boys from Texas. You're just weak-minded. You have no ability to believe and do anything on your own, so you have to believe in a God. And that's, just, that's what Christianity is all about. It's just for weak-minded people. I said, really? He said, you can't prove to me there's a God. And I said, oh, yeah, I can prove to you there's a God. I guarantee you right now, I'll prove to you there's a God. He said, how could you prove to me there's a God? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, before I knew Jesus, I'd take you and use your face as a mop on that floor right now. And bless God, I'm not going to because I'm saved. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And that proves there's a God. And boy, he got mad. He just, boy, he just got all puffed up, went off to the bar, went into the bar, went over there for a little bit. And I said, you know, Lord, I may overstep my bounds here. And so just help me out here, Jesus. And Man, in a minute he comes out of that bar, he's got the biggest guy I've ever seen with him. And this guy's like six foot four, man, ripped, looked like a chisel Greek god, you know. He comes stepping out of there. I said, Lord, have mercy. I mean, the fight's on on this one. It's going to be rough. I'll get down there and bite him around on his ankles, you know. <laughs> he comes up, and so he's wanting to pick a fight. And he says to me, he says, so you're giving my friend a hard time here. And I said, no, let's just get things straight. We're not... Not trying to cause any trouble. He said, I couldn't prove that there was a God. I told him I could prove there was a God because I wasn't going to use his face as a mop on the floor. And so he looks at his friend and says, you don't believe in God? <laughs> and I said, come on, Jesus. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean you don't believe in God? He said, you know I'm an atheist. He said, what do you mean? atheist and so man here they went they got into such an argument with each other i can't believe i'm in partners with somebody that doesn't believe in god and i said see lord here you got this whole situation worked out for me your goodness and your kindness has come upon me amen it's kindness that shows somebody the place to repentance not fear isn't it funny that when you show someone god's kindness you're beginning to show him the essence of who he is so then he can move in their life. We don't have anybody showing anybody kindness today. Hello? If you even mention what political party you were of, on either side, death is in the air. Right? The whole country is getting so divided because nobody's showing the kindness of God. Nobody's showing the essence of God. Nobody is acting like their father. Everybody's trying to do something to bring about what they want. Let me show you something here. This is all, you can just go to Google and get this. This is not any place I had to go really search to find it. Google search, okay? I typed in the worst pandemics in the world. In 2005 to 2012, 36 million people have died of HIV. The flu pandemic of 1968. Did y'all ever hear about that one? Hong Kong flu. 1968, flu pandemic killed one million people in the world. Killed over 100,000 people in the United States. It got real popular. I looked that one up a little bit more because 68, I was born in 61, so, you know, I was just a kid, but I looked it up. And, and, it, and it did get media attention after 100,000 people died in the United States. It did get some media attention. Okay, we didn't have internet back there, but it made it to page 24 of the New York Times. Page 24 after 100,000 people died. Okay. The Asian flu, 1956 through 1958, killed 2 million people in the world. The flu pandemic of 1918, the Spanish flu, 20 to 50 million. The sixth cholera pandemic, you know it's bad when they name it the sixth cholera pandemic. That means there's been one through five already, right? 800,000, that happened in 1910 to 1911. The flu pandemic of 1889, 1 million died. 
the third cholera pandemic of 1852, a million people died. The Black Plague in 1346 killed between 75 to 200 million people. Uh, this other plague, uh, the Plague of Justinia in 541 killed 25 million people. In 165 AD, there was another plague called the Galean Plague, which killed 5 million. My point is, plague's been going on for a long time. But you know who's been going on longer than that? God. You know who's been healing people longer than that? God. The one that's always been the source is God. The only thing that makes me mad now is in the middle of a pandemic that we have in the world, everybody tells the church to be quiet. Everybody tells the church it's their non Essential, not essential, don't have to have church, just put it down, shut it down. Anybody preaches against whatever, then they shut them down. And all I'm saying is, is that, man, folks, we got to wake up. we got to wake up and realize that the essence of our God is goodness and kindness, is mercy, is love. And anything that's not involved in that is not the nature of God. It's the nature of the curse. So you don't want the curse to come upon you, right? So you recognize it, that it's fear-mongering. You recognize what's going on, that it's manipulation. You stop and say, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. God's in charge. God's, God's got it. No, you got me here, Lord. Wait a minute. I'm going to walk in the blessings of God. I'm not going to walk in the curse. I'm going to walk in with the goodness of God. I'm going to walk in, what's in what, what, what my God said he would do for me. I'm going to walk in what the Word says. Amen? And tell the curse to go get lost. Go to Psalms 63. Psalms 63.1. Psalms 63.1. It says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, listen to what David's saying here. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You see, folks, when you get saved and Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, when you come to that point right there, that's what happens. And you find the essence of God and you begin to walk in what he and who he is and the kindness of God. All of a sudden you get to where you can't get enough. You're so thirsty. You cannot get enough. You just want more of God. You want to read his word more. You want to pray more. You want to talk to him more. You want to go into the next deepest place of the secret place. You want to find what it's like to be with God. Are you with me? You see, if you're on that course in life, you're in the right place. Don't worry about anything else. I'm telling you, if that is your heart crying out right there, if you can say to me this morning, everybody out there watching, everybody in here, if you can say, my soul longs for you in the dry and thirsty land. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. If you can say that in your heart, that's where you are with God. Folks, I want to tell you something. You got it made. Give yourself a high five and rejoice. You're in a good place. If somebody had to hold a gun to your head to get you to come to church this morning, had to threaten you within an inch of your life, had to tell you you are going to sit down here and watch this, if you're drinking your coffee right now and wish you were somewhere else, talking to you. Well, your heart's wrong. It's not the right place, and you better watch it because what's going to happen to you, you're going to get over playing in the bar ditch, and then you're going to get yourself swallowed up by the curse and fear is going to take over your heart, and you're going to get in the wrong place. Because if you're not the head, you're the tail. <laughs> Ain't a good place to be. All right? That means you're not riding on top of the horse. You're riding underneath. <laughs> your saddle's done slipped around. Okay. So, he says... So I've looked for you, I'm back in Psalm 63, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up your hand in my name. See, you have got to find the essence of God in your life. Folks, listen to me, and there, I cannot give you the rule for it. We're all different, unique people. We all do things differently. Some of you need to go outside and, and at night and look at the stars. Others of you need to rise up in the morning and look at the, 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 the sun rising. Some of you need to 
you know, light candles and make it look all mystical. And others of you just, you know, need to sit there with your coffee and read your Bible. It doesn't make any difference. There is no rules for seeking God. It's just seek God. Be hungry for him. And then you're on the greatest course in life. That's really all it is. That's the essence of knowing his kindness, his goodness, his loving kindness, wanting to be there, knowing his power and his glory. I love it that God, I'm telling you, God could right now go like this and just flick the world right out of out of existence. But he doesn't. And he loves us and puts up with us. Us backbiting, griping, murmuring. No, I mean, I can't even put up with people. And God's putting up with the whole world and he could just flick us out of the way. I mean, don't give me that power. Hello? I'm telling you, don't put that kind of power in my hands because I might just say, you, you better straighten up, shake you a little bit. But not God. That's his loving kindness. He could do all of that, and he just wants to. Now, I, I told you all the other day that I was, I was reading the book of Job because in, it's in my daily reading. It's just like reading through Job to me is just like just get through it. I just want to get through it. Get to chapter 39, 38, 39, where God starts speaking. The rest of it, I just hate it, but I'm going to read it because it's in my Bible and i got to do it. Okay? And so I just finished, and, I, and, I, and chapter, I'm going to Job 42.5. Found something to at least preach out of it. Job 42.5. Job says, I have heard. Now, God's appearing to me, and then Job makes this statement. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. And I read that and I thought, that was your problem, Job. You only had heard about God. You didn't know God. You only had gone and gotten religious in life. And you just gotten a form in some religion. But you didn't know him. Now he showed up. And you're like, oh. See, there's a difference of serving God because you heard about it from your mother, your grandmother, I was laughing at my wife last time. We, you know, we, we came into town to watch the seniors drive through town. And, uh, and, and so I, I, we were going home, and I said, you know, it's so funny because my grandparents gave me a Bible when I graduated. Uh, it was a green living Bible, one of those padded fat things, you know. And my grandfather wrote an inscription in the front of it, and he gave it to me when I was a senior graduating. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, well. I mean, you could have at least given me some beer money, you know, is what I was thinking. But then I was told her last night, I said, do you realize that he gave me the greatest gift in the world? He put within my hands the words of eternal life. And I didn't have enough sense at that moment to see it. He gave me the greatest gift that he could possibly give me was the word of God. But then I looked at it as, no. Because, see, people have only heard about him. They don't know him. There's a big difference between hearing about him and knowing him. All right? In Acts 17, 24, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to skip on, but I'll just tell you what it says. In Acts 17, 24, it says that you were born for this time in this season because God knew that it was the greatest time and greatest place that you could be saved to come to know him. So if you're alive right now, if you're hearing this message right now, then I'm telling you, you were born at this time in this place, walking through where you are, where you are, because God knew that you could get saved now. He knows your times. He knows your seasons. So the other day I was praying, and this is where I could take off on another message. I'll try to stay on track here, but uh, I was praying and I was talking about everything going on in the world, you know, and I was reading the headlines and, and looking at some stuff and praying over the world and what's going on in the world. And I said, finally, I said, Lord... I, 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 said, I said, Daddy, what do you think about all this? What, what is it that you think about this? And just as clear as a bell popped in my head, Psalms 2. Go read Psalms 2. So I pull over Psalms 2, so turn to Psalms 2. Psalms 2, 1. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast, and cast away the cords from us. So he who sits in the heaven laughs. <laughs> and as I read that, I was like, is that, 
Is that what we're seeing taking place in our world today? They're plotting, they're trying to take away, or they're trying to break them and get away, get away from me, God. They don't want God in anything because they don't want to be reminded that what they're doing is wrong. And what's your attitude, God? I'm just laughing about it. That means he's so not worried that he can't handle the situation. He is so unmoved by what man can do that he's just sitting up in the heaven laughing. I think that's going to work. That is not going to work, guys. It reminds me of the days of, of Israel and Egypt. And Egypt thought they were going to put the hooey to them, right? Pharaoh got down there, man, he making them work, making take the straw away from them, make them go get He just putting the pressure to them. The next thing you know, man, rivers turn to blood and locusts are everywhere. And firstborn dies and then they plunder Egypt and leave. They went to the people's doors, knocked on their doors, said, I, I, when I was cleaning your house the other day, I noticed you have a lot of silverware in there. I'd like it. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that? Knock on the door, yeah, <clears throat> I know you're hiding some diamonds over there in that drawer I saw them the other day. You know, let me have them. And they're just like, take them, just take it, just get out of here. And they plundered them. They plundered them. The wealthiest nation on the face of the earth, the Egyptian, when the, when the Hebrew children left, plundered the Egyptians, is what it says. That word plunder, it plunders, plunder. That's not like took a little, it means plundered them. Right? Took it all, put the hooey to them, threw them down. Walked off with everything. They had enough money to build a, a, a temple. Everything they needed to build, was, the money was out there. It's just, they walked out of there. So now you're the little slave Israelite who's been had the guy beating you on your back, and now you're leaving with all the cart of his stuff? But everybody wants to push Christians out of the way and say, I oh, just, you know, we don't need them, not essential. Da, da, da. I don't think you should be messing with us. But a lot of Christians don't have any idea who they are anyway. I'm trying to tell you today in this message, I think it's in one of the titles. Because I'm kind of rambling this morning, but I'm having fun, is that we got to know who our family is. We got to get the essence of our family in us. We got to know who God is. And look at what's going on. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I knew I should have put that bunker in. We're sitting back saying, you really want to tear off a piece of me? Do you, do you really think y'all are going to win in this? Hey, when the storm came through the other night, the last clap of thunder that took place in the storm, did y'all catch that, that there was a thunder that was like thundered, shook like my house, like thundered so hard that everybody I've talked to is always, it keeps talking about the thunder. It was a, it was a strange thunder. Some of y'all, if you didn't hear it, you must have really, really been asleep. I mean, that baby rolled in, started building. I was in the bed. I felt like that thing was building. I felt like my bed started shaking. And I, and I actually literally, I, I was semi-delirious. And so, because and I'd already been asleep. And so I kind of just woke up and I said, is that you, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, because it was like built up. And then all the pipes in my house said, I was like, Lord, that's you. I mean, be quieter. I'm asleep, you know. <laughs> and that was just a clap of thunder. My Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to roll the heavens completely back like a scroll. Hey, do y'all know that Jesus is coming? That's not a fairy tale. I don't know if it's going to be in our life or, you know, whenever, but I'm just telling you, he is coming. It's truth. Oh, there's going to be an antichrist rise up too. Yeah, there's going to be somebody that's going to come up and say he's God, but he's not going to be God. And we're going to know who he is because he ain't going to have anything of the essence of our God. What gets me, and, and I'm just trying to tell you things that I see happening. It happens all the time, but it just gets out into the media. All right. And so don't, don't get mad at me over this, but I'm just saying you just, it becomes obvious because it gets put out there. When they beat somebody down, taser them, and arrest them because they didn't put a mask on. I'm like, <clears throat> now, is that a little excessive? Have we gone just a little bit too far? Are we losing track of what reality is here? Right? 
I saw 10 policemen go on a bus and drag a guy off, throw him to the ground because he didn't have a mask. And I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't smell like anything like God. You know, that's the way I'm looking at it. Oh, but there's also horrible other atrocities going on. I mean, I'm just saying in this pandemic, I'm concerned of the attitude of the way I see people operating. Because it's not of the essence of God. It's of the essence of the curse. Right? And so all of it going on now, and at first it was making me aggressive. And I was troubled, thinking, it better not happen to me. Because it's just not so sure I'm going to go down quite as easy. And I was getting in turmoil, and I said to the Lord, Lord, this is not right, because... Even this is a part of the curse. I'm not supposed to be worried about anything, and I'm supposed to be in peace, and I'm not in peace. I, I'm in war. And then he, that's when he took me to here and said, just sit back and laugh. I'm in charge. They're not in charge. They can rage all they want to, but it isn't going to make any difference. You sit back, and then he just started instructing me, don't let that part of the curse operate. See, if you start to worry, you're still involved in the curse. It's still the curse working on you. You know, around here, people don't understand. I mean, I've had people tell me before when we're talking about the dry conditions around here. And yeah, I, I said to a person, yeah, their wells are, you know, the wells, some of the wells are going dry. It's getting dry. And they said, well, can't you just put some more water in it? I said, where does beef come? Oh, it comes from H-E-B. <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. Some people, I mean, literally, they ain't got... They don't come here from Sikkim. I mean, they, they ain't got no idea. All right? And so, <laughs> they're about that smart with the things of God, too. And, and, and what my point is here is, if the curse comes upon you and gets you into that frustrated place, even though you may be resisting its weight, you're still got the curse got to you. It still took you over out of peace. And we don't want to be in there. You don't want to get so angry and so full of rage that you let the curse come upon you. God wants us right now to be operating knowing his essence is kindness. It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to do everything in kindness. But that's the essence of God. You're not a doormat to be run over. Right? But... We're not supposed to have the curse upon us and be wringing our hands and fretting and being worried either. Amen? So like I told my wife the other day, I said, man, I ain't going to go down there and pay 40% more for beef or any meat. Just eat that old freezer burnt stuff I got in there I've been putting off for years. All those bad pieces I hadn't want to eat. You know, we'll just go down there and finally eat them. Kind of hard-headed. Now go to Luke 8, 21. Let me try to get this tied around here. Okay, so I'm trying to tell you, this is the essence of your family. This is the essence of God. This is the essence of your family. You need to know who your family is. You need to know everything about your family. You need to know how your family operates. It says in Luke 8, 21, Jesus said, but he answered and said to them, because they said, oh, look, Jesus, your, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, my mothers and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Look at, look at uh, John 1.12, Gospel of John 1.12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Folks, listen to me. You've got to remember who you are. You are a child of God. You're born again. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. When you've given your life to Jesus, you're a part of the family of God. You, 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 your family on this earth, yes, you still have some nature of that, but you're a part of the family of God. You have rights and privileges as the family of God. You're not a person to be trifled with. You're not a person to just be run over with, run over because you're a part of the family of God. Listen to me. You got to take some pride in who you are and who's in memory of your family and what the essence of your family is. 1 John 3 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. 
One of the essence of God is this love, this crazy love that he loves us. Right? It's not like you're a member of Living Waters Church and that's what got you in. No, you are not a member of a denomination. You are a child of God born again. Hello? Your membership is in heaven with rights and privileges, inheritances. Ephesians 2.19, we've, we've read this several times this last couple of weeks. Ephesians 2.19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. That's you, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's you he's talking about. You see, church, it's not, it's not a game. Hear me out there. Everybody listen. It's not a game. It's reality. You want to see reality TV? Reality TV is happening right now. The children of God are talking to the Father in heaven. It's reality. This is what's real. The rest of the curse is not real. It's the, it's the, the, the fluff the that's out there to try to get you off of the blessing. It's not the real thing. The real thing is the reality that you're a child of God born again. The rest of it is the, is the whatever you want to call it that's trying to get you off course to get over into the curse and miss God. There's like a, it's hoodwinking you. The curse wants to hoodwink us. Everybody's freaking out, running down the street, wringing their hands. We're going to die. We're going to die. The earth is falling. The earth is falling. The earth is falling. And I just kind of want to step out in the middle of the street and just slap them and say, shut up, man. Calm down. God's got this in charge. Does anybody stop to pray and find out what we should be doing? No, church is not essential. We can't say we can't pray because we can't talk about God because we don't want to offend anybody that doesn't like God. Well, sh tell them to shut up and get over there in the corner and be quiet. They want to be the tail, they can be the tail. And we're being the head, and this is what the Word of God says. If you don't like it, tough. We're right, they're wrong. Well, that's uncaring. I can't believe you would say that. We know we need to. No, I care for them. I'm preaching the gospel to them. Get over on our side before it's too late. We have got to have this attitude, folks. Listen to me. You cannot sit back and let, let you know, bozos take us down the wrong path. There's a time we say, no, we're not doing that. Look, I'm sorry. We're trying to be nice to you. We're trying to help you, but you've gone too far. You're not in charge. We are. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do not agree with everything President Trump does. I think he needs to quit tweeting. I think he's got his, you know, he needs to just be quiet. He needs to handle himself right there, but I think he's done a great job with a lot of other things. And, but I can't believe that everybody, whether, that I have never seen a president be elected and now four years going into four years. Do you realize that? We're going to have an election in this year and four years they have been trying to do everything that they possibly can to get him out of the presidency. And when have we ever heard that? When have we ever seen anything like this in our life? When have we ever seen a bunch of, you know, basically children crying and whining because they didn't get their way and whatever. And somebody just needs to slap them. Tell them, sit down, shut up. It's ridiculous. I just can't believe it. And I was going to say, you got to be kidding me. This is so, it's, man, it's dis something. I was kind of more like disgusting. It is disrespectful, but I'm kind of more like, it's just disgusting. You boys just been about to just, you know. I don't want to say much more because I might get into one of the big four, you know. And Christians are not called to just sit back timidly and not do anything. We're called to stand up and be prayer warriors and to pray and say, no, no, you are wrong. You're telling me that goodness is wrong? You're going to tell me that the essence of my God and what I believe is wrong when what you're doing is supposed to be right? And what you're standing for and believing in is supposed to be right. It's wrong. I mean, you, you just give it up. It ain't right. All right? So we have got to understand the nature of our God, the essence of our God. And then that's what we want to operate in. 
We want to know more about our family. And, you know, that's a big deal now. Ancestry.com and going, you know, searching your family tree. We need to be searching the family tree of heaven. We need to be searching out the essence and the nature of our God. We need to be understanding what is God and what isn't God. You need to take everything through a, a filter in your brain and saying, what is God and what is, what is not God? You read it and say, is that God or is that not God? If they say it's God, still run it through the filter. Right? Because, I mean, every time Jesus appears on a piece of toast, it doesn't make me want to go worship it. So I run that through the filter. I mean, you're bound to have seen those, right? you got to run all that stuff through the filter. What is the essence of my God? All right? So let me give you a few. I'm not going to finish, but let me give you a few. The first thing is you need to understand about the nature of your family is that God is a big God. There's nothing that's there's nothing going to come about that God can't fix. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you get the rarest disease on the face of the earth. God has an ability to fix it. I don't care that if everything looks like it's going downhill and it, it you know it's just going to be destroyed. It doesn't matter. A meteor headed to Earth. It got, there's nothing that doesn't make any difference. God can take care of it. God is a big God, right? According to Genesis 1, you know, he made this whole world in six days. Made a world in six days. He put 20 billion stars in the sky, knows them all by name. That's just what we can count. He's a big God. Do you remember the day before we had cell phones when you could remember people's phone numbers? <laughs> I used to remember everybody's phone number. Now, I do good to remember my own. Because we just get so used to that cell phone. It dumbed us down. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Look at this scripture. To show you how big your God is. He who measured the waters in the hollows of his hand. He's talking about the oceans. He measures the oceans in the hollows of his hand. Measures the heaven with the span of his hand. He can calculate the dust of the earth in a measure. He can weigh the mountains and the scales and the hills in a balance. That's how big your God is. So you're going to let him, you're going to let this, you're going to let the curse come upon you and tell you that he can't bail you out? You're going to let the curse come upon you and tell you that he hasn't got a way out of this? That God doesn't have something as long as you just do what I said at the first, seek him with all of your heart, worship him. Love him. Find out more about him. You're telling me this big God can't bail you out? Can't make a way of escape where there seems like there's no escape? Folks, it's time to wake up. Church is an essential business. You've got to get it in your heart. How big your daddy is. That you're in the family of God. That no matter what it, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the world's predicting, it's not going to come nigh your dwelling. Oh, but what if it does? Deal with it. Pray. Speak the word of God over it. Usually every time I know there's a storm coming in, you know, because I don't want storm tear up anything mine, and I believe all storms are subject to the spirit of God, and so I, I usually pray over it. But I went to bed the other night. I didn't know the storm was going to get like that. So when I woke up, I was all delirious, all whacked out, you know. I was asleep. It was when I heard some hail hit the house, you know, little stuff. And I just kind of rolled over and I just, I said, I, and I, I couldn't pray. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't gather thoughts to pray some, you know, great authoritative prayer. And so I just said, Holy Ghost, take care of it. <laughs> I'm back to sleep. But I was pretty confident that he would and he did. But my point is, is that that's the way we should be. That's the way we should be in life, folks. We spend more time fretting than we do getting faith-filled over here, learning the Word of God or reading the Word or praying or doing whatever. We spend, just think of how much time you spend fretting. Fretting is just a nice country term for worrying, right? Doesn't sound quite as bad. I'm not worried. I'm just fretting. You've lost your peace. 
Listen, you know, you can just, you, you just, you know, y'all just may want me to quit after this, but I'm telling you, we ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. And I have my days of discouragement. I have my days of, I'm just like ready to throw in the towel and, you know, and, and things don't work right and I get tired of going through the process, but we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth because we know the biggest God on the face of the earth. We know the biggest God that there is. We're in, we're in part of the family of God. We're born again. We're going to wash in the blood. I mean, what are you going to do? Kill me? Send me to heaven? Hello? I mean, I'm not scared of dying. I want to go to heaven. I want to go step over the other side. Only because my wife makes me hang around do I stay. <laughs> she keeps telling me all this stuff. Well, the grandkids need you. And I said, that grandkids can go back and watch the videos that y'all made me do all this time. Had enough. I wrote a book. Let them read it. But my point is, is that if we serve this big God and, and we know that he's going to take care of us and we have this relationship with him, well, then really we shouldn't have to worry about anything. So what are we doing finding ourselves free? Why aren't we happy? Why aren't we just full of joy? Well, I will be that dad. Get that million dollars in the bank. Get that big mansion up here. Be happy there. Well, you know, that may not be where you are in life. Man, just be glad you got a roof over your head. I mean, just be happy about those things. The Bible says God will give us the desires of our heart, so it's all coming. There are things I've prayed about that I've, in, in the years that I've, you know, 35 plus years that I've been serving the Lord that, that I just now see coming to pass that I've, Prayed about a long time ago, but it did come to pass. It didn't come about to pass on my timing, but wouldn't I be a spoilt brat if I got everything exactly on my timing? Hello? But to just be happy to know that we can go talk to God and that he's got an answer for us. That he can, he'll talk to us. Speak into our heart things, revelations that, that, man, heal us. Give us vision and course in life. That's what we need to be seeking. This is the essence of the God of our family. Why have you let the curse take you over and get you out to where you're not seeking God like that because you don't think he's going to do something for you because you, you know, committed one of the big four or others. That's why Romans 2 that we just read a while ago, 2-4 says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen? So what I want you to do is just put your Bibles up. All of you out there watching, listen, I'm so glad you tuned in, but don't turn it off just yet because I want to pray for you. Let's everybody in here stand up, give God the honor of closing here, but I want to pray for you. Whether you're in the building or you're watching, I just want you to know God loves you. He loves you so very much. And the essence of God is his goodness and his kindness. So I want you to be encouraged today. But I also want to pray for you because I know that so many times we wrestle in our, in our thinking about, well, but what about, because we've got all this goofy doctrinal stuff in us. And I'm asking you today, can you just believe that God is good and that he loves you? And that repentance brings us right into God's kindness. And just go with that. Just take it at its value. Every time that you repent, God forgives you and everything's all right. And just start believing God. Start believing God to get you out of whatever you're going through. And you watch what he'll do. Amen? So I want to pray for you now. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, whoever's listening to this and whatever's going on, Lord, if there's things keeping people from what, believing you are good because of bad things that have happened in their life, I ask you right now to remove it. Break those yokes right now in Jesus' name so that they can receive in their hearts the goodness of God and the grace of God for each and every one of us. Lord, you said it's your goodness that leads us to repentance. So as we repent, as we repent for worrying, as we repent for fretting, Lord, as we repent, Lord God, for just not trusting in you like we should, I just declare that, Lord, it brings us into this glorious place with you, a glorious place with you because we have a, a door that's opening to where we're hungering and thirsting for you. And so, Lord, I ask you to put your hand upon us all to bless this congregation. 
Bless them, Lord, wherever they are. I believe you for doing signs and wonders and miracles in their midst to get them right back to the place they need to be. So, Lord, we know you're a big God, and there's nothing that's impossible for you. So bless them, Lord. We thank you for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.